Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. What's up, everybody? El Sacco and Zane Akvi here for the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. And Jimmy Garoppolo, officially the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers for Week 13. And Zane, I think the entire fan base needed that jolt. I think everyone's glad to hear it, and I know I can't wait to see him take the field. Yeah, and this is kind of what everybody's been waiting for since the the 49ers traded for Jimmy. And and you know, there's the last. The, I know it was only three plays, and I know that it was garbage time in a game that was already over, and and it, he was playing against a bunch of backups, but. I will say that the throws that he made, the two throws that he made in the run that, that he that he ran for, which should have been a first down, it's just it's kind of refreshing to see a guy just right away come in and, and seem to get it. And he's he's got that it factor. It doesn't take, you know, it's not gonna take a full season to to figure out whether he has an it factor or not. He did the same thing he did in New England. He went, he came in and he produced. So uh, fans are justifiably excited. And you know, I feel a little. I feel a little bit for C.J. Beathard, and we'll get into that later. But um, you know, I'm just, I'm just really pumped up right now for this week. And I needed it because, to be honest with you, I'm just getting to the point where I've kind of had it of watching crap football, and I'm going to get into it a little bit more after after our guest today. But listen, it's been a frustrating season. Other than three years, it's been a frustrating 15 years. And, you know, as, as a fan of the team, which, which you and I are, you know, we, we cover the team or whatever it is that we do here. Um, but we're also fans of the team. And at some point you want to see good football. And when you don't see that, it gets frustrating. So I know I, I definitely needed to see Garoppolo get in there for my sanity. And you said, all everything you said about him is true. He, he just looks like he has that it factor, even based on the two plays that the two throws that he made. Um, this past week. And our guest today, actually, very, very exciting interview. Jeff Christensen, who has coached over 300 quarterbacks. He works with Kirk Cousins. He works with Brock Osweiler. He works with Brian Tannehill. And he works with Jimmy Garoppolo. And he's trained Garoppolo from a young age. And we got a chance to talk to Jeff about um, the early days of Jimmy Garoppolo, what he expects to see out of Jimmy as he takes over the reins in San Francisco, and also a little bit about what Jeff does um, with his company, Throw It Deep, and how he trains quarterbacks and wide receivers and, and gets the best out of them. It was a great interview, and here is Jeff. Our guest is a former NFL quarterback who is the founder and CEO of Throw It Deep, the top quarterback and wide receiver training academy in the United States. Welcome to the show, the man who helped train Jimmy Garoppolo, Jeff Christensen. Jeff, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. All right, Jeff, can you take us through how and when you met Jimmy Garoppolo, and what was it like working with him in the very early stages of his development? Uh, yeah, um, a good friend of mine uh, played quarterback at Tennessee many years ago, his, his high school coach, Doug Millsaps, and I had a relationship uh, for four or five years prior uh, to Jimmy coming on the scene, and then he, Jim played line, outside linebacker on the varsity as a sophomore. And his current varsity quarterback, senior, had been coming to me uh, through Doug's recommendation. And then uh, um, Doug asked me one day, I think I found my next quarterback, I hope, you want to come out and watch him and tell me what you think. 
And so I went out to a seven on seven. I watched Jimmy throw some balls and I talked to him afterwards and then, uh, asked him how badly he wanted to do this. He said, I really, I really want to do it. Okay. And so then I started assessing certain things and he was also a baseball pitcher. So he had some natural elongation. And the more I was around him, the more I just realized that he, you know, he doesn't say a lot. He just has a deep, deep, uh, desire to be really good. And then I soon realized he had a deep, deep desire to be great. And he just kept applying the teaching and just kept getting better at a nice, steady pace. Now, Jeff, you're a former quarterback and you've worked with countless quarterbacks. So you obviously know the position and, and, in working with Jimmy, did you see big things for him right away, or was it kind of like a, a work in progress in that transition from outside linebacker? At first, it was a work in progress, but then it didn't take a lot. Uh, his senior year, he just went to a different level. And Doug and I took took him, introduced him to numerous Big Ten coaches in the Big Ten, and they all told us, well, you know, this, that, and the other. And we said, okay, fine. So... Because he wanted to stay in the big, he wanted to be in the Big Ten if he could, but no one would believe us. No one would bite, and um, so I called Eastern Illinois and talked to Roy Whitkey, the who's now at Syracuse with the Bavers, and Roy was the offensive coordinator at, at Eastern. And subsequently, he was coaching my son his last year. He played down there and at quarterback, and so there was a trust level. And then um, Roy said, well, if you think he's that good, then I'm going to come up and take a look at him. And he did. And he said, Jeff, he said, that's Tony Romo. And I said, I know. That's what I've been telling him. <laughs> and so um, um, they offered uh, basically immediately uh, that, that week. And then I think there was two, three schools that came in late. Uh, Western Illinois, Illinois State, Northern Iowa type of stuff. Maybe Montana State or something. And him and his dad called me and said, what do you think? You know, Northern Illinois is one, you know, they've, they've snuck in here. And then when I said, well, and it was months, it was, you know, a couple months later, memory serving me correct. And I said, well, you know, I would, I would stick with the people who had great success with quarterbacks, myself, Sean Payton, Romo, that they want you and go there and play for four years and get on the field. Your freshman year will be the year that, Jake, my son, would be his last year. Well, that next year will be your freshman season. Uh, Roy's not going to mess with your technique, so just stay with the people that are loyal to the warrant you for five months. I said, you know what, you're right. And they did it. And then, of course, Dino Babers came in two years later with that offense, and, and that really fits his style of play, which subsequently a lot of these NFL coaches are not going to that style. So it just kind of all fell into place. But to Jimmy's credit, he just, you know, he's gotten he's gotten good because he was co- so coachable. Now, you have to be proud of him for, for making it where he is. And for you personally, with all the work you did with him and how closely you worked for him, what does it mean for you now to see him sort of about to walk into a franchise quarterback opportunity and finally getting his shot? Well, you know, it's it's weird because now that I'm 50, almost 58, looking backwards, you know, you're, you're building a business and you're helping these guys and, you know, you're making money and you're doing this and you know, you're right. And they're getting better. And, 
but it's a, it's just a very eerie feeling that I trained him on Tom Brady film. He gets to, he, he goes to the Patriots and plays with Brady and learns from Brady and Tom Martinez, Brady's coach for many years, and I had a, a, a acquaintanceship and and we met at a couple of clinics and we agreed on almost everything and and to watch uh, what I projected with him and his family come to fruition uh, pretty much exactly as we planned. It's just, it's, 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 uh, it's intimidating. It's eerie. It's grateful. It's thankful. It's all those, you know, key components because he's just the family. They're just such good people. And, and Jimmy's a tireless worker and he cares about his teammates. You know, he's not, he's not arrogant. He's not conceited. You know, he's a caring person. Uh, much as Kirk Cousins and Tannehill and Drew Stanton and Tom Savage and all these other guys that I work with. Um, and he wants to be great. But he want, doesn't want to be great at the at the cost of winning. He'd rather win than get individual accolades. And when you get kids like that to work with them, then I feel that the game is in a good position. You know, when there's too much individualism going on, then I think the game suffers. And so he's a good soul, and he's a he's a tireless worker, and he cares. And so I think I think it's going to work out well. Now, um, Jeff, what can what can Forty ers fans expect from Jimmy Garoppolo on the field in terms of skills and and even some intangibles? Um, accuracy, intelligence, toughness, quick release. Uh, he was play. He has a uh, I call it scrambling in a phone book uh, in a phone booth. Not that any of these young kids know what a phone booth is. <laughs> um, <laughs> keeping plays alive with his feet, buying time in the pocket. Um, you know, he just has moxie and savvy, and he'll come up with plays that most people can't because he has he has a great feel for the game. And uh, I, I just think that they're they're going to be. Uh, pleasantly surprised, um, and I don't see why why they can't win this weekend. Quite frankly, so I think they're going to be surprised, and I think it's going to be a, a fun ride for everybody involved. And you kind of uh, mentioned how he was off the field. Can you kind of get more in depth into what Jimmy Garoppolo, the person, is like? Just just in terms of his study habits and like what he's like off the field. Well, it was, it, it, you know, I don't try to get too close to these kids when I'm coaching them. I'm coaching them. I'm not, you know, dressing them up in T-shirts and snapping pictures and <laughs> having them sign right. stuff from every five minutes like a lot of these guys do. It's ridiculous. Right, right. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to coach them as if they're going to get coached at the next level. Mm-hmm. And so I don't try to get close to them personally. Um, so my relationship with them has a different dynamic and and i don't call them a lot during the season they know where i'm at if they want my opinion on something they'll call me they'll text me um so you know trevor simeon texts me you know after his last game i said congratulations that that had to feel good i'm proud of you for you know you staying the course and and he texts me thanks it means a lot to him and because these guys are under a lot of pressure Mm-hmm. And right. everybody always tells me, "Well, they're making a lot of money." Well, it doesn't, doesn't matter. They're, the money is a byproduct. 
they have pride. They they want to do well. They want to do well for their families. They want to do well for their dreams. They want to do it. It's a tremendous amount of pressure. And so I don't really try to get close to them. I try to give them what little knowledge I have on how you handle all these different scenarios and situations. And some sometimes get lucky and get great coaches that are really uh, um, um, an open book and easy to talk to. Sometimes get coaches that are under a lot of stress and duress because they feel that their career is on the line. And so they're, they're all angst up. And so that relationship becomes kind of jaded once in a while. So, you know, you got to be a part-time psychiatrist, part-time coach, part-time uh, advisor without stepping on anybody's toes. You know, that's the tricky part. Um, Jimmy is just a very, going back to your question, Jimmy is just a very quietly, very intensely driven person that wants to succeed at the highest of levels. And he's even though he's always smiling and it always looks it always looks confident and relaxed and it always looks it's confident, but he is driven and has a passion to be great. And um, when I told him his junior year in college, if you keep this up, you have the quickest release in the history of the NFL, including Marino. And he looked at me and he said, "He said, well, that's the that's what we're trying to do, right?" And there was no intimidation. There was no intimidation by it. There was no. Um, he was just all about. Yeah, I know. That's what I want to do. And so you know, it, it's he's been a real joy to work with and be around. And uh, because it's just it's just all business. I mean, there were days I worked with him for ninety minutes, and if he said, if he said fifty words to me, it was a lot. Wow. I mean, it just doesn't, I mean, it just do, okay, let's do this and, and put you and let's make sure here's the situation. You know, you got a defensive end crossing your face, a tackle looping around. I'll be the tackle. So you slide underneath me and I want you to come off of one, go to two. Then if I say no, then go to three. And then he'd shake his head. Okay. And then we would do the, we would, we would orchestrate the scenario and then he would react and throw a strike, and then okay, let's do this. Let's do you know yada yada yada. Let's do this. If I do this, you do that. And he said, he said okay, and he'd throw a strike. And there wasn't a lot of uh, conversations. It was just all about make that movement, get that picture in your mind, make that movement. And the person that he's most like in those scenarios is Kirk Cousins. Kirk's exactly the same mm-hmm. way, and. There's just not a lot of dialogue because uh, Tannehill has a lot of this in him where they see the picture of what you want. You put them through the paces. I'm videotaping everything on a tripod so they get to watch it later. And then we then assess perfect versus not so perfect versus bad. And uh, Jimmy's just, he's right there in the top kilter of guys that have the ability to apply teaching and concentrate. And Jeff, I want to I want to pause for a second, and I want to kind of uh, there's there's something interesting I found out about yourself today was that if I'm not mistaken, you were part of that 1983 draft class, weren't you? You were mentioning Dan Marino. You came from that same draft class, right? 
Yeah, I was the anchor on the ship that took the ship down. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I mean that was one of that was the all time quarterback draft class. Like Dan Marino, John Elway, you know, like it was it was fantastic. Like that uh, Eric Dickerson came from that that draft class too. So yeah, we had, we had a bunch of guys. There was there was there was a bunch of Hall of Famers in that class, and. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was next one at the Marino pick. I was the 135th player picked in that same draft. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's wow. pretty cool. Yeah, Jim Jim Kelly, I think, came from that draft too. That's that's did, pretty yeah. cool. That's yeah, a right. neat distinction right there. Yeah, yeah. Todd Blackwood, Tony Eason, Jim yeah, Kelly, uh, Kim O'Brien, and then of course the big three: L.A. Marino, Kelly. I was seventh. Babe Laufenberg, I believe, was eighth. Gary Kubiak was ninth. Wow. Bobby Haber was in there. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of guys. As excited as everyone is about Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco, Jeff, there are still some unknowns because he hasn't played a lot in the NFL. Now, are there areas that you feel he needs to improve on as a passer, or are the 49ers getting a polished quarterback here? Well, you know, you, you can only go by what you know, right? So, the first uh, two games he played at New England when Tom didn't play, his passer rating was what one twenty five. He had five touchdown passes, no picks. Yeah, something like right? that. It's pretty good. So yeah. <laughs> how, how, how? How? I mean, I don't. I you know. It, we, let me just say this, okay? In the era of where more so than ever, the critical we're at the critical stage now, where offensive lines have to re-catch up to the quickness and speed of defensive lines. How ironic that the Bengals don't sign their left tackle, Wentworth, he goes to the Rams. Now the Rams are tearing it up in the Bengals' left tackle situation, right? Mm -hmm. The Cowboys had to play their backup tackle the other day against the Falcons, and the kid from Iowa, Claiborne, has six sacks in one game. Uh, I mean, it, it goes on and on and on. The Eagles are playing great up front, and Wentz is having a great year. So in the era of where we are as a, as a sport, your offensive line play is more critical than ever. So we can sit here and we can talk about quarterbacking all you want, but if you don't have time to throw it, then you, you could the Superman can't complete some of these passes with these guys coming off the edge and hitting you in the mouth. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing comes back to you're still your teammates around you, um, staying healthy, having having a good attitude. You know he's not going to come in here in this situation, have a 125 passer rating, believe me. I mean, there's still a few players away, which, uh, which uh, John Lynch has said. And, and so it's going to, you know, it's going to take a bit and a couple free agencies, but, but, you know, by the time they put the right pieces in place with the way I think Shanahan is and his moxie and his savvy, I think what they'll do is they'll figure out what Jimmy does well and what these young, what these young successful coaches are doing a good job of, is they're engaging with the quarterbacks. They're asking them their opinions on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Do you like this versus this? Do you like that versus this? What do you like better? Why don't you like this? And then they, because there are just certain things. I was the same way. There are certain things that there are certain quarterbacks just don't like. They don't like a certain concept. They don't like a certain a certain route. Could it, it could be because they don't see it well. It could be because the guys running the route, they're always in a little bit different spot. 
they give different indicators at the breaking point, which confuses the quarterback as to when to let it go on certain routes. And so they just don't like it. These young coaches are doing a tremendous job of not force-feeding those plays to quarterbacks. And so I anticipate that that's what Shanahan will do. Um, and they'll, they'll tailor this into Jimmy's strengths. They'll engage him, I would imagine, with his thoughts and his, comfortable, his comfortability with certain things, uh, his comfort level with certain things. And then um, uh, it, should be, it should be fun. And Jeff, did the 49ers actually reach out to you at all at any point um, after acquiring Jimmy just to kind of get an idea of like his skill set, like what he's been doing in the offseason at all? Or is it kind of just like you're, you're kind of more hands off when it comes to that team stuff? I've got teams that do call me. I've got uh, seven or eight guys that do call me from teams, quarterback coaches, whatnot, offensive coordinators. They've not called me yet. Um, um, and I, you know, and I'm, I'm, I just don't, it's just not my place, right? But if they called, I would give them my opinion as to, you know, certain things he does well. But they have all the film. I mean, they know. Um, and that, like I just said, they're going to interact with, they're going to ask Jim directly. And and he knows. I mean, he's a 25-year-old man now. He's not a, a 20-year-old boy any longer. I mean, he, he's, he's a, he gets it. Um. So no, they haven't yet. So if they if they would, I would obviously give them my two cent opinion. But they haven't called yet. No. And it's been it's been a long time since the 49ers have even had a quarterback make the Pro Bowl. I believe it's been fifteen years, Al. If I'm I'm not mistaken. Garcia was the last one. Yeah. 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 So it's been about fifteen years since the 49ers have have had a Pro Bowl quarterback, and obviously everybody's really excited to see what Jimmy can bring to the table. And I'm not trying to make comparisons when I when I when I say this, but when Jimmy threw that touchdown the last play of the game, his pocket presence, like his the poise that he showed, and being able to escape the pocket a little bit and buy himself himself some time, it really really reminded me of Tom Brady. And I know you use Brady as an example when working on Jimmy's mechanics, but does Jimmy kind of remind you of Tom and how valuable um, and how valuable were the years he spent watching Tom um, from from the sidelines? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, um, I, I think probably the biggest asset that Jimmy has uh, been fortunate enough to have in this whole process is the fact that he's got to be there with Tom and Coach Belichick for three years and learn NFL defenses from Belichick. And 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 I think Tom, the way it appears to me, listening to certain things. Tom really genuinely likes Jimmy. So Tom's a wily. I've thought when I started coaching him off of Tom, off of Brady film, it was the year Tom won his second Super Bowl. And I'd already made the determination that with, even though with Manning and all these other guys in the league, that Tom Brady was the best from the technique standpoint. And that was just a personal opinion I had based on certain things he did, manipulating the pocket, his angles of his feet, knees, and hips, his torso, how the ball came out, backside versus front side, you know, deep versus when he missed, he was missing the right spot. Um, and so I think a lot of those, all those situations have, have helped Jim grow tremendously. The play, I saw the play, um, reminded me a lot of Brett Favre. I mean, 
he was on his number one, number two read. When it wasn't there, he just had that feel that there was a backside. And, you know, I, I tell people this all the time, and they look at me kind of weird. You know, when you're looking with your eyes, and I work on this with the guys I work with, when you're working on your eyes to one side or the other, all you have for the other side away from your eyes is your ears. And you hear guys. You hear them coming. Mm-hmm. And if you're really in tune with certain things, you know if the guy coming to your backside is coming above you or coming below you. I mean, if you hear him, but your left ear doesn't really hear him, then you know he's coming, he's coming above you. If your left ear hears a bunch of, of grunting and moaning and, and pads popping and thumping, then he's probably trying to come underneath the tackle and you should probably wheel and go above it. And I could just see that he, he heard it. And when he, when, he, when he turned his head and glimpsed, he saw the opening. He took off and he bought time. And as he bought time, then he knew what he had. And he kept his eyes downfield. That's just something he's been doing for. He was doing. He did that at Eastern 250 times. I mean, he, that little movie that he he's done that several times. So it didn't really remind me of anybody other than you know guys that just had that instinct and that feel. And he just he just he just kind of does. He kind of feels that pocket and that, he has tremendous pocket presence. Jeff, before we let you go, you've coached over 300 quarterbacks, and, and you mentioned some of the ones that you work with other than Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, Brock Osweiler, Ryan Tannenhill, to name a few. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do at Throw It Deep and, and maybe what an average day is like for you? Well, in the era of when I first started this business, there was probably 20, 20 to 30 guys around the country that were doing this. Um. Subsequently, since people figured out they can put up something on the internet and talk a good game and go to a clinic, a clinic and imitate some drills, there's probably 300 quarterback coaches now. It's like ridiculous. There's 20 in Chicago in the last three years. Hmm. So the whole thing, the whole thing is it's it's so overblown and out of kilter with what you're getting for your bang for your buck. It's ridiculous. Um, and then parents that really don't understand what they're getting into in many instances. They want to be able to send their son somewhere 10 times and they want to think that he's going to come out of it after 10 times and have this magic formula that's going to put him on the path of being a high school starting quarterback and then get a scholarship. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't work that way. And when you come to us, it really doesn't work that way because with us, it's old school, old school, old school. And, um, Sunday, I had 65 quarterbacks out, and my assistant coaches, who have all been with me for many of them, 10 years, they were students of mine, went on and played in college, and then came back, and now they're high school coaches, and they helped me on during my academy and during my sessions, and they're tremendous young guys who have turned out to be great coaches. And Sunday, we did two different drills with all the, the group for an hour and 45 minutes. And I just told them, I said, well, you know, it's it's real simple. When you find a drill that's really good and it's really impacting all of you and you're all getting better in little bits of the time for different reasons, why do I want to appease you at age 14, 15, 16, 17 so you have fun and, and, and go home and tell your mom it was a blast and do nine drills 
just to do nine drills. I know them all, and we could have fun. You know, we could throw balls at bullseyes, and we could do all kinds of fun stuff. But you're paying us money. My job is to make you better. Our job is to tell you the truth. It's not to. It's not to make sure you're smiling when you leave here. You have deficiencies. You have bad feet. You don't turn on time. You overstride. You do this. You do that. Am I? Am I criticizing you? No. I'm giving you the issue that you have, and you have to be willing to step up and address the issue and get better. We're going to talk to you like you're going. You're already in college. This is the big talk. This is not a oh, come on, Timmy. You can do better. Talk. We're going to expect you to do it right and apply the teaching. And we're not going to overreact when you do it wrong. We're not going to overreact when you do it right. It's expected that you're going to do it right. And so we try to raise the bar on all. My theory is when I ask a kid how old you are, if he's 14, his answer is 18. Because we're going to treat you four years older than you really are. Mm-hmm. And we're going to expect you to conduct yourself four years older than you really are. And the reason that is is because quarterbacks get college coaches fired, quarterbacks get college coach, coaches hired. You got you have more responsibility. You have to, you know, you have to be more wily. You have to grow up. You have to be a leader. You have to be. You can't be late for meetings. You can't be. It's unacceptable. Fun, fun happens when you win. Right. <laughs> that's 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 when the fun sets in. That's when we have a party when you go out and win games and that happens through hard work. But you know, there's a thing with these young people today with social media, everybody wants to have fun and it's, it's trying because it's, it's the, the more we go on here, the more success our guys going through the old school mentality. I call it bunting the baseball. No one knows how to bunt the baseball anymore because no one practices it. Right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So it's oh, it's just old school uh, uh, sports teaching versus do some fun fancy drills and tell dad how much better Timmy's getting, and I'll see you next week and pay me a hundred dollars more. I don't we don't care about the money. I care about kids getting better and and learning how to get up after they've been knocked down a little bit. And we don't try to knock them down, but if a kid is throwing up the difference with us. If we're throwing a speed cut out route with no shuffle, and a kid's throwing the ball, is throwing the ball bad five times in a row. I'm not going to quit. I don't mm-hmm. care if he throws it bad twenty five times in a row. We're going to keep narr- we're going to keep narrating through it to him the next rep what he's going to think about, and then all of a sudden that one perfect ball comes out, and you say, "There." Now did that feel just a little different? Yeah, and you see the relief come over him, and you see them smile and you see them jimmy did the same thing with me two years ago he wasn't throwing a certain route right and i put him through the same deal and then about the fifth row he goes yeah all right i got it i, I get it <laughs> and he threw about 10 row. and so it's just a feel right and having played the position for a long time um on these different levels i know the feeling i wasn't that great of a player at all believe me but i still know the feeling and so I can describe it and narrate them through it. And so I think that gains trust, right? And because they're feeling the same thing. And then you can also then teach them how to feel it, make the feeling happen so it comes out right. 
And when it happens, it's gratifying, and it's it's been really fun. It's just old school stuff, and it it, it works. And uh, I had a father tell me one time, um, "Now wait a minute, you know, I, I just paid you hundred fifty bucks. All you really did was play catch with him." And I said, "Yeah, and that's what Brett Favre does on Sundays. He drops back, he takes a look, and he plays catch with the guys he's throwing the ball to. <laughs> that's what they do. Yep. They're playing catch." Yep. <laughs> 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 This is what it is. It's nothing more. But now, what you weren't noticing is he hit me in the mouth eight times in a row with the ball, and the first 10 reps, he hit me in the mouth one out of 22 times. Mm-hmm. So his accuracy got better because he was applying proper finger pressure. And he was applying, you know. So there was just a big education piece, and, there's like, and the real confusing part for a lot of these parents, there's too many guys out there now that don't know what they're doing. And the irony is they're all good talkers. And the dads start buying into a certain thing, and, and, and it's not stuff that's going to win games. It looks good when you're throwing routes on air, right? It's a Timmy out there running a route. But the ball flight's no good. It won't work in a game. But some people don't understand that. So it's, it's, it's just a, it's an interesting, ever-changing business, and we're just very grateful for the kids that come to us. and and. Um, it's just kind of elevated itself now to the NFL and NFL coaches wanting my opinion and college coaches now calling me and wanting to know how to, you know, so it gets flattering. It's, 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 uh, it's interesting. It's fun. It's just one more validation. I'm getting a little too old to be doing this, you know? (laughs) So it's been, it's been, it's been a fun ride so far. And Jeff's website is throwitdeep.com. Definitely go and check that out. And Jeff, we really appreciate the time. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Have a good day, guys. Thanks, Jeff. And thank you again to Jeff Christensen for joining us this week. And Al, it's just like hearing him talk about Jimmy and his preparation and how he basically learned at the feet of Tom Brady, not only when he was in New England, but also when he was training at Eastern Illinois. Jeff was talking about how he would show Jimmy tape of Tom Brady and, and show him and help him emulate Tom. And and it was just when he threw that touchdown pass, when Jimmy threw the touchdown pass, it literally, to me, it looked like a lot of what Tom Brady looks like in the pocket. And I know it's only one pass, but, but man, like it, this isn't some rookie that's coming in that doesn't understand NFL defenses and has never, never played before. He started a few games. He's been successful. He comes from the best team in the league with the best quarterback possibly ever to play the game. And it's just, it just looks like he gets it, doesn't it? It did. And, you know, listen, the two passes he threw were dimes. In that touchdown pass, he felt the pressure. He rolled out to his left, and, and he throws a touchdown pass against the Seahawks, which hasn't happened a lot for 49ers quarterbacks. Right. Um, yeah. And I know it was garbage time and all that, but, but he certainly looked the part. And you heard Jeff say that, you know, this guy's got one of the quickest releases since, since Dan Marino. He can get rid of the ball, and, and that's one of the things we've been talking about. And I don't, I don't buy into, and listen, I'm, I'm a little fired up, I guess, today. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier in the intro. I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of watching this team just be garbage. I, I really am. Um, and there was a lot of talk with Grapple, like, oh, sit him for the year. You know, you, you don't want to get him hurt. Why? The guy clearly has a very quick release. He clearly has pocket presence. You can't play football scared. I, I just don't buy that. I don't buy that 
you don't want to put in your franchise quarterback because, oh, well, oh, well, he might get hurt. You can get hurt on any play in football, anybody. It's a violent game. There's a ton of injuries. To me, you have to get him on the field. The evaluation process needed to start now. He needed to get his feet wet in this offense because, listen, we know with Kyle Shanahan's offense, it takes time. And we saw, again, the Falcons had one of the best offenses in the history of the NFL last year. But the year before, when everybody was getting used to Kyle's offense, they struggled. And it takes time. So I would rather have Garoppolo come in now these next five games and struggle and make mistakes and, and you know, struggle with, with verbiage and, and learn things on the fly. So he comes in 2018 and he hits the ground running. If the Niners don't care about 2017 and they don't, just get him on the field and get his feet wet. Who, who cares if, if he struggles? He, he's, he's learning the offense. And it's so important for him to get out there and get those reps. So I, I definitely, C.J. Beathard is as tough as they come. And I definitely root for the kid. He's, he's gone in there and you know he's just been a, been a punching bag. And he's done a good job concerning what he's had to work with. Does he have his faults? Sure. He's, he's a rookie. He holds on to the ball. He, he's still learning as well. And you don't want to see a player like that get injured. And I wish CJ all the best, um, have nothing but respect for him, but they need to get Garoppolo on the field and, and I'm happy he's about to play. Yeah. And, and real quick to touch on CJ, I, I think that he's earned the respect of the entire organization from the fans to the, his fellow players to the front office. Like he's the, the toughness and grit that he's shown taking all of those hits and all of those sacks and, and still being able to put up pretty decent numbers. Like he, he, he held his own. It's not like he's putting up Mitchell Trubisky numbers or, or some of these guys that, that are, that are just starting for the first time. He's not, he's not like he's putting up those porous numbers. He's actually, he's actually leading the team down the field. He's, he's completing tough passes. He's able to read defenses most of the time. So he's definitely got a future in this league. And I think that he's earned a spot on this team for years to come. And I think he's earned a spot in this league. Like it, it, there is no substitute for toughness and the guys is as tough as they come. I, there were so many times this year where I've, when, when I was watching these games and I'm like, man, I, I don't know if he's going to get up from that. And finally, unfortunately this, this week was kind of like the breaking point. And the, the good news is, is that the MRI results came back negative and, and he's just got a, I believe it's a hip strain. So it's not, it's a week to week thing. It's not like it's, a, it's a long-term thing. So CJ is okay. I, I think that, Part of the decision to start Jimmy Garoppolo this week was also CJ Beathard's health too, and the guy just needs—he just needs a break, man. He's just been taking a beating for for like a month and a half every single week, and he just needs a break. But getting to getting back to to what Jeff said about Jimmy and his his on field sort of characteristics, we saw a lot of that, and we've seen a lot of that. When you look at his tape from New England, he's an accurate passer. He knows when to get rid of the ball. He's got a super quick release. Like, I think that's the biggest thing is that the, the best way to neutralize a, a really fierce pass rush is to get rid of the ball quickly and to have a really quick release. Like these quarterbacks with long windups, like for example, Colin Kaepernick, his biggest, one of his biggest flaws was that long windup. And it gave defenders the chance to anticipate where he was throwing it. And they would start jumping routes, especially in his second to last year, that game against Arizona, where he had two pick sixes. It's just, it just wouldn't work. So the fact that, that Garoppolo has that compact short throwing motion and gets rid of the ball quickly, it will neutralize a lot of the pass rush and pressure that, that has been getting to CJ Beathard, despite the fact that the offensive line is bad. So I'm, I'm excited to see all of this stuff in actual game action, um, for the, and, and, and to see whether Garoppolo can elevate the rest of his teammates. And 
before before I kind of take it back to you for your thoughts, I, I want to add this point that the, in my opinion, in this league, the game of their teammates, and I'm not talking about a guy that's that's playing like a gimmicky offense that that makes one or two good throws a game, and all of a sudden his team wins. He's relying on his defense or something like that. So uh, I'm talking about one of these guys like 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 Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers. These guys that are the elite quarterbacks that can that can make their team better despite what they have around them. And this is kind of that test for for Jimmy Garoppolo. Can he make his team better despite having nothing around him? And I'm not setting the bar high out. I'm I'm saying that if if he wins this game, and I think it's a winnable game, if he wins this game, doesn't turn it over, completes probably 15 to 17 passes and throws for a, bu- a buck 50 with a touchdown, I'm not going to care. I'm going to be happy with that progress because we're talking about a guy who hasn't even played in his offense beyond three plays. So I think this game will be a test in many ways. And, that, and that's probably the biggest one. What's your opinion on, on his contract situation? If, if he is what he is this year and he is what we all expect him to be, what's your opinion on the contract? So this is what I'm kind of worried, worried about. And I'm worried about the 49ers franchising him for a year. And then, and this is, this is, this is like a long shot thing. And I, when I say I'm worried about it, I'm like 10% worried about it. It's not even like a real worry, but I just thought of it actually on the way home, my commute home today. And what if the 49ers franchise Jimmy Garoppolo and he's, he's here for this next year for the 2018 season. And at the end of the season, they're starting to negotiate with him. And then Tom Brady retires in New England. Mm-hmm. So does Jimmy go back to New England? I mean, is, this, is that even a possibility? I mean, so I, I really feel like they should, the goal should ultimately be to lock him up for multiple years if provided the fact that he can digest the offense and, and that he can stay healthy and all those things. But I think the goal should be to lock him up for, for multiple years and then the franchise tag should be the fallback. It shouldn't just be like, oh, we're just going to franchise tag him for three to four years down the line. Then you get a situation like Kirk Cousins is in. Yep. So it just they they have to the goal has to be a long term deal and I know it is Kyle Shanahan said as much John Lynch has said as much but it really comes down to when it's going to happen and and they may just use a franchise tag on it but I, I really think that they're going to negotiate first and try to get him locked up long term and I agree with that you don't want another Kirk Cousins situation happening in San Francisco um, in, in that th- what you said about Tom Brady that's not the, that's not crazy he's forty years old he's going to be forty one at the end of next year what if he gets hurt what if he wins two more Super Bowls and decides to walk away mm-hmm. and, and you know, Josh McDaniels is still there and maybe Belichick's still there. And, and they say, Hey, Jimmy, you know, you're going to be a free agent. Could happen. Could happen. Niners. If they feel Garoppolo is their guy, Niners should lock them up. They should, mm-hmm. they shouldn't mess around with the franchise tag mm-hmm. unless contract negotiations fall through. And that's just the last ditch effort. He's going to be 49 or next year because they can't franchise, make a franchise on the year after. Um, but in the year after that, actually, and then you're getting into to big dollar amounts. But the, it's just better for everybody involved if if they get a long term deal done with them. And I hope they do that. And it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I'm definitely on the edge of my seat with it for this week. And like I, I said, I needed to see it because my frustration level right now with the 49ers is, I mean, it's boiling over. And I tweeted out, 49ers are rebuilding. Okay, they don't care about 2017. They don't. You don't cut Navarro Bowman and and get rid of your veterans and play rookies and everything like that. If you care about the season, the Niners don't care about the season at all. And in the sense of rebuilding, I get it. Okay. Well, they don't care about wins and losses this season. I, sh- I should say. So I get it. When you say, okay, we're rebuilding, we're stripping it all down. 
okay, I understand you have to do that sometimes to get better, but that doesn't take away the frustrations that we have as fans of this team that has been utterly garbage, garbage since 2003, basically. They have had three winning seasons since 2003, the Harbaugh years. They are, and it's not just where they're going, you know, eight and eight, you know, nine and seven, they're just not quite a playoff team. They've been horrible for the most of 15 years. And when you look at it, when you're going through 2004 and they have two wins and 2005 and they have four wins and then they get seven wins in 06 and five and 07 and so on and so on and so on until Harbaugh gets there. And then you get this little jump with Harbaugh where they were arguably, you know, the best team in the league for three years roster wise. I know they didn't win a Super Bowl, but they were certainly, you know, knocking on the door all three years. And then they just fall. The, the bottom just falls out. And again, it's not where they're struggling at eight and eight and they just can't get over the hump. They're horrible. The past three years, they have been horrible. You're talking about seven wins. In this season, again, we didn't expect much of anything, but what have we seen? It's been it's been Groundhog Day, Zane. Every week is freaking Groundhog Day. The defense plays pretty well for the first half. They do as much as they can, considering they don't have a pass rush and they're, then they're injured. And it's a close game at halftime, but the offense can't score. And then in the second half, the defense really can't hold out anymore. In a game that was thirteen to six, ends up being thirty to 10, thirty to thirteen, or whatever it is by the end by the end of the game. It's been that way all season. It's so frustrating and as a fan. Again, I get that you're rebuilding, but but dude, aren't aren't you frustrated? Have you just had it? Aren't, aren't you aren't you just sick of watching this every week? There were admittedly there were a couple of times where they came close to sacking Russell Wilson. The guys they just fell. Like I don't know if, what what. Hex, this guy has put on the defensive line of the 49ers, but every time they got near him, they would just fall to the ground. And I'm screaming at the TV, wrap him up. And I, and I was on, on the, the web zone, Facebook and, and Twitter. And I, I put in big bold letters. I was like, wrap up, stop trying to chase him around. And, and it's just, they're making the same mistakes every week. And, and like you said, I mean, I, 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 understand it's a rebuild but at some point you need to see some sort of progress and al honestly like it's it's frustrating to watch but i don't there's there's no quick solution like this is this rebuild is going to take some time and they basically trent balky messed this roster up so bad that it it's basically taken a full season just to get out of his roster mistakes of the last year and i i don't know how many years it's going to take to get out of the roster mistakes that he's that he's made in the past so really it comes down to to obviously the the patience levels of the fans and you're seeing it every week or every time they play at levi's it's the stadium's half empty there are more opposing fans and home fans tickets i believe if i'm not mistaken tickets to sunday's game were going for like 17 bucks which is which which is unbelievable you're talking al you're talking about the bay area where real estate prices are ridiculous and, and and real estate prices rise every single year Levi Stadium is the only piece of real estate that's losing value in the Bay Area. That's it's losing crazy. its its value because people don't want to go there anymore. They want they don't want to see the team lose. But I will say this: having having a franchise quarterback kind of changes everything. And if you look at some of the teams that have been struggling, like before Tom Brady got there, the the Patriots were five and eleven. Before Russell Wilson got to the Seahawks, they were a losing team as well. Jim Moore sure. had just He'd just gotten fired after after a five and eleven season as well, I believe. And and you look at 
some of these teams like the Rams were just were just kind of like a fringe mediocre team and then Jared Goff came and Sean McVay came and they're doing a doing a heck of a job down there so really it just takes a little bit of stroke of luck and the 49ers have just been bad but they've also been extremely unlucky as well with in terms of of just not having things work out so I hope that changes I hope that changes with Jimmy Garoppolo and I think that the reason why everybody's so excited for him is because it, he represents a change he's fresh blood he's a guy that that comes from a different organization that's kind of a known commodity in in a in a certain way because you you know that he can produce but he's he's largely an unknown so I think that uh, when when and again the the fans are excited and I understand that they they were cheering when when CJ was hurt they weren't cheering because CJ was hurt they were cheering because Jimmy Garoppolo came onto the field I want I want to make that clear but I understand their excitement because Jimmy is almost like a savior for this team because if it doesn't work out with Jimmy Garoppolo, that's basically going to sink Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. And that's, that's kind of the bottom line. Well, you look at the Niners, they don't have players at impact positions. And Jimmy Garoppolo's sort of that first impact domino to fall, at least we hope. You know, they don't have a playmaker on the outside. They don't have a big-time receiver. Carlos Hyde's a good running back. He's not an electric running back. I, I don't I don't think he's a big timer. I think he's a good player. I don't I don't think he's a big time player. They don't have that big time defensive pass rusher. Um you know Ruben Foster looks like he's he's gonna be a hell of a player. But other than that on in DeForest Buckner as well, hell of a player. Um but they don't have that dynamic pass rusher on defense. So they need sort of these elite skill positions which they don't have right now. And the 49ers currently was looking this up and they're 26 in the NFL in sacks. They have 20. Okay. Now, Elvis, Elvis Doomerville leads the team with four and a half. And, you know, he's done well in a situational role. But no other player on the team has more than two. Okay. Solomon Thomas has two. Ronald Blair has two. And Deuceball has two. And Blair and Deuceball got their two in one, in one game. They were separate games, but they got, you know, they each had two sacks in one game. And that was it. It's not like, so again, not consistent at all. Now, the Niners are one of only two teams, the Texans being the other to not have multiple players with at least three sacks on the year. Again, not good. And we talked, I don't want to knock Solomon Thomas. I think he's going to be a pretty good player. Um, He's very good against the run, but we talked about it, that number three overall draft pick getting an impact player, right? And maybe Thomas will end up being an impact player. I certainly, he's going to be a good player. At least he's a, he's a good player, but you look at some of the guys that were there again, Lattimore cornerback from, for the saints, um, Adam safety for the Jets, Leonard Fournette, these impact guys. Don't think the Niners got that at three, and Thomas may end up being that. But my point is, they need to get these impact guys, and Garoppolo hopefully will be one of the first impact guys that they have there because the team desperately, desperately needs it. And we'll see. You know, with the draft, if they end up with the number two pick, they can probably trade that and get a couple picks. Um, my draft process, not to already get into this, but it's it's. Uh, Quentin Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame, I love him. I, you know, I, I don't think you could take him at two, but he's certainly if the Niners trade down, I'd love for him to get to get him because I think he's just a plug-in All Pro. I think I think he's that good. But the Niners need to start getting some of these elite skill position players to compete with these big teams. Yeah, and the teams that have made really quick turnarounds, or even teams that have made turnarounds, period. It's not just a one-year process. Like you look at the last, look at uh, we we use our own division as an example. You look at the Rams. This team was sitting at seven to nine, eight and eight for several years, and they they were able to get Todd Gurley, and they have Aaron Donald, and they got Jared Goff, and 
they got all these high number one ish sort of draft picks really like you said really talented skilled players and it took them a new coach and a new regime to kind of realize that potential and but this team was being built for three to four years before that if you look at even look at the look at the historic teams of this of this league that first 49ers super bowl team was being built for two to three years before that 81 championship and the the Dallas Cowboys in the '90s they were trash before they they made the Herschel Walker trade. So and even that took two years to to come to fruition. You look at the Baltimore Ravens when they won in 2000. Ray Lewis was drafted in '96, so it mm-hmm. took them six years to really fully get to that the the mountaintop. Same thing with the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, John Lynch's Buccaneers. John Lynch and Warren Sapp. John, Warren Sapp was drafted in '95. John Lynch was '96. And slowly, Warwick Dunn, I believe, was 97. So they slowly were like building that team. And finally, in 2002, seven years later, seven years after Warren Sapp was drafted, they finally were able to, to win a Super Bowl. And I think Derek Brooks also came in 96 as well, if, not, if I'm not mistaken. So the point is, the point is Al, that it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to take time, but it's also going to take a group of really talented players. Like you'll notice with all of those teams, the talented players came in bunches. It wasn't just one guy like added per year. It was like multiple guys added per year. So the the 49ers are really they have a ton of cap space, which is why I think they're going to eventually get in get the deal done with Garoppolo cuz money is not an object right now. Not an excuse, right? Yep. They so have they yeah, they should be able to get it done. They've got a ton of draft picks. They have seven draft picks, well, six now that they traded the the second rounder to to New England, but they got six draft picks in the first four rounds. So they have the ammunition if they want to move up. They've, they're probably going to trade back and gain some more draft picks. So they've, they have everything that they need to get multiple impact players in this draft. Now, I like, I like the O-lineman out of, out of Notre Dame. I, I, I've heard other guys' names like Bradley Chubb um, and, and the dude from Boston College. I, I, I forget his name, the pass rusher from Boston College. But oh, I, if, they, man, if they draft another defensive lineman, the, the fans are just going to go nuts that they're going to lose it. Like you can't keep addressing the same position over and over and over again. I realize that Bradley Chubb is, and I like him a lot. I've I've watched him play and he's, he's a great player, but like you have enough invested in that right now. Just let that pan out, let them play, let them grow and address other parts of the team. Like there's, there's guys from the practice squad starting on the O line. You have guards starting at tackle and, and you're going to go in and you're going to draft another defensive lineman in the first round. Are you kidding me? So, they, they've got a lot of decisions, and, and I, I'm kind of with you on the Solomon Thomas pick. I think he's going to be a solid player, and he's definitely grown and, and shown some flashes, and he's really good against the run. And he's part of a defensive line that actually, the front four, they, they lead the league in pressuring the quarterback the most out of any, any other defensive line. It's just that they just need to get that extra little push to get there. But they, you know, Al, they have all of the ammunition that they need to, to get multiple impact players, and I expect them to make a push for a bunch of them this offseason. And they have to do it, especially on offense. They do need the pass rusher. But other than that, the defense, they need a pass rusher. The, you know, Malcolm Smith will be back next year. Probably need another linebacker. They'll need a corner. But there are some good players on D. The defense isn't that bad. I know statistically, um, I think they've given up. If they haven't given up the most points in the league, they're pretty close. Um, I'd have to look that up. But statistically, I may not look that pretty, but they've, they've played pretty well, especially considering what they have to work with and all the injuries. The defense is getting there. It really is. They need players on 
offense. This offense is atrocious. They have one touchdown or less in seven of 11 games this year. What one or less? Wow. It's, it's the same story every week. And like, you know, we said, we, we loved what, what Beathard did with what he had to work with. You know, it was, it was gutsy, but in his starts, he started five games. Okay. With him in, they scored 10 points, 10 points, 10 points. Then against the giants who I don't really think they were playing, but it's still an NFL team. You know, they scored 31. Great game. Okay. Great game. But then they come out this week and they had six points when, C- when CJ left the game. So you're talking about an offense that wasn't really doing anything with him in there. And again, not all his fault, but you know, he did hold on to the ball long and, and there were probably, you know, we were not looking at the coach's film. I'm sure that, that there were throws that he could have made. Not that he has a lot to work with in his receiving corpse, but the offense hasn't been working. And when you look at what's around him, when you look at, when you look at the receivers, Lewis Murphy, who they pulled off the street is starting. They need to go out and they need to get legitimate big time threats out there. And it, it's not Eldrick Robinson. Um, you know, hopefully Pierre Garcon can come back and, and be healthy next year. Marquise Goodwin actually has about 600 yards receiving. He has an outside shot at a thousand this year, which would be the, I think the quietest 1000 yard season in the history of football. <laughs> I didn't yeah. think he had anywhere near I think he's on pace for like 850. Do you even think he had that, that many yards this year? No, I mean, it's, it's cause it's sneaky, right? All of his, his, I think he's averaging more than 20 yards a catch. So it's like, he'll have three catches, but it'll be like for 90 yards. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, and he, he's only, he's, he's only caught, I think about 43% of his targets, um, yeah. which, which has been on par for his career. So, you know, I don't mind Goodwin as a piece to the offense, but like right now he's pretty much the number one receiver. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's scary stuff. So listen, again, like I keep saying, you know, I, I understand the situation they're in and, but I'm frustrated and I feel like a lot of fans might be frustrated and, and listen, do we have to be patient? Absolutely. It is what it is at this point. You know, Trent Balke and Jed York got a, got the team in this situation. Um, got to be patient, but that doesn't erase the last 15 years as a fan when you're sitting watching. Not not mediocre football. Other than the Harbaugh years, this has been bad football for 15 years. And it's just to the point now when when you when again it's Groundhog Day every week. It's it's frustrating. And when you think next year, okay, you hope. You hope maybe next year, what, they can win five or six games, and we don't know who they're going to bring in. But, right, you you would think if you go from a one-win team or a two-win team, whatever they're going to be, you hope maybe they can get six or seven. So that's another year where it's probably going to be like, all right, you know, we're still waiting. That's frustrating to me as a fan, and that's sort of where I am. When I was watching the game over the weekend, until the excitement of Garoppolo happened, I was just like, you know what? Like, this is crazy. And I, to me, I thought, I, I know Bethard was getting hit, but I thought they should have put Garoppolo in after halftime. Try to win that game. Put mm-hmm. put him in and see if he can give your team a spark. That's what I thought. And I like the idea of him getting reps against Seattle too. Because again, the things he sees in a game that doesn't matter will help him in 2018 when he's lined up against Seahawks again. That's what I thought. Maybe it's just my frustration coming through. You know, listen, you know, it's a week to week league. Maybe I'll feel better next week. But right now, I don't know. It's a frustrated El Sacco, I guess. That's a that's a signature Al Sacco rant right there. I guess I don't yes. even know if it's a rant. I don't I don't even know what to call it. Giants fans should be ranting right now with them benching Eli. What is that? I mean, is that for real? You know, you know, they just wanted to get him to to beat Peyton's record for most consecutive starts, and and then bench him after. Well, I, it can, technically, it's Brett Favre, I believe, who has the record for most consecutive starts. Yeah. That. But but to 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 kind of nudge ahead of Peyton, you know, they wanted to give him that before he before he got benched. So. 
but everybody talks about like the, the John Mara's like the, in in Tish. They're like these all oh, these they're, they're these classy owners. They're letting a general manager and a head coach who aren't even going to be there next year bench one of the most legendary players in your fran- your franchise history. Help win you two Super Bowls. Going to probably have his number retired, and and the ownership lets them do that. It's crazy. It's just mad. It's absolute madness. It's absolute madness. And I know I don't Niners fans don't care about the Giants, but I just I had to mention that because. I don't know. I guess when you're feeling bad about your team, <laughs> you know, you look <laughs> at something like that. Fun of others. <laughs> yeah, just that's, that's all I got right now is I can look at other teams and and see what it is. So, yeah, I don't know, man. He's the only guy to beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Yeah, he just he just deserves more respect than that. And I can see if you have a rookie that you drafted real high and you're like, you know what? We want to get him on the field. He's our future. That I get. You're going to do it for Geno Smith. What, yeah. you want to get a look at Geno Smith? Yeah, we made a season and won your deal. It's just, yeah. it's just really, really bad, really bad. Sorry, I'll stop talking about the Giants, everybody. Sorry, but uh, <laughs> I'm in a bad place, you guys. I'm in yeah, a bad, yeah. I'm in a bad mental place right now. Al's in a bad place, guys. He's in, he's in New York. It's a bad place. <laughs> I, need, I need somebody to send me like free stuff. People should send us more free stuff. Do you ever think of that? You ever see like these players get like, I don't know, like headphones or something? Who's sending us stuff, Zane? Well, I mean, I, I did get a nice pair. I, I got I got a really really nice pair of headphones uh, courtesy of my work. So shout shout out to my work count. on that. Does hey, not count. No, I mean like <laughs> who's who's sending you know oh you know that that podcast that Fortnite's Web Zone podcast. Let's send those guys some stuff. Who's sending? Nobody's sending us anything. Yeah, Man, I'm oh I'm bitter right now. Bitter about everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm about Eli. <laughs> when when people are are mad and pissed off. I'll give them your address, and when they want to send cookies and and headphones and stuff, we can. Have, I'll, I'll I'll keep yours for you. I'll keep them safe for you, Al. That sounds just, good. Just over here, yeah. That sounds good. So, <laughs> oh, you, know, you know what else? You know who gets my game ball this week? Nobody. Nobody, <laughs> Nobody gets it. I'm tired of watching this. I'm tired of watching this crap. My game ball is going to sit right here. Nobody gets it. Maybe I'll get um, two out. Next week, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not giving out a forget about. It. You can give out a game ball if you want. I'm not giving anybody a game ball. Ridiculous. <laughs> Oh man, that was the ultimate get off my lawn moment. <laughs> in ten, three, three for your last what twenty three and twenty four the last two years. Nobody's getting a game ball. Oh man, somebody and send it's... me a game ball. How about how about that? <laughs> how many shows have we done now? Like forty. Somebody send us a game ball. Oh man, a game ball. Oh boy, in, in November <laughs> November twenty seventeen when the Forty ers finally broke Al when Al Sacco's <laughs> lost it, giving <laughs> out a game ball. <laughs> oh man um get your game ball zane <laughs> well we'll get well my game ball actually goes to um so uh i gotta go with eric reed he he had he picked off russell wilson the first play of the game and he led the team in tackles he had seven tackles and it's going to be pretty hard to let him go i think they're going to resign him i think that he's going to be back next year and they'll probably move ward to to corner and so they solve two problems at once then i and, think that makes a lot of sense i think that makes a lot of sense yeah, and and it it automatically it eliminates the need for at least one corner, and and Akella Weatherspoon's playing pretty well for a rookie. Yeah, he's doing so. well. yeah. and then yeah, Jimmy so. Ward can play cornerback next year and then get hurt in week two. But <laughs> yeah, at least for the beginning of the season, it, it gives you a little bit of hope. You know what? You ever, you ever see Major League? Yes. where Bob Buecher is just drinking Jack Daniels by like July or whatever it is. <laughs> that's what <laughs> that's what I feel like. That's what I feel like right now. That's by what week, I feel like right now. By week five, you're you you just pop it open and you're just you're just going right. <laughs> I got um pro football reference open up in front of me, you know, because I was I was throwing some stats out there and I'm just looking at these scores. It's just it's been a it's been a rough year, man. Yeah, yeah. And uh nine straight losses, by the way, against against the Seahawks, including playoffs. Is it nine straight now? Yeah. 
There's nine straight. Oh my so God. starting with that NFC championship game, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been four years of, of losses plus the one. So nine straight losses. Went from the best rivalry in the NFL to just the one sided, just bloodbath. Yeah. Yeah. It's but bad. it's funny. It's, Michael Bennett was actually, he was quoted as saying that he's glad that they didn't bring Jimmy Garoppolo in earlier. And, and that's the ultimate sign of respect, mate, is, is, is when the other team respects you and is afraid to play you. So I, I think that, I think Al, it's, it's going to turn around. I'm, I'm, I keep telling myself that, and, and, I, and I think it's going to turn around with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm. So we just got to keep on keeping on, right, and, and try to give, Try to give our fans who have stuck with us so so loyally throughout this entire season and and all the way back from January, you know, just give give all of our fans that content that they want, you know. Yeah, thanks for still listening to us. By the yeah. way, um, yeah, everybody, really, really do appreciate the feedback and and um, everybody that's listening. It's 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 been great. So we really do appreciate that. Um, so Zane, what about a prediction for this week? What do you think? I'm going to say the Niners win and. It's because how how many games is Mitch Trubisky going to complete less than ten passes and still win? It's yep. ridiculous. So, yep. I think that the Forty ers defense will will play play well. They have been playing well. They're better. They're better than their numbers. But Jimmy Garoppolo, he's not going it, to. It's interesting. Jeff said he's not going to you know have a hundred twenty five quarterback rating and, and light it up. And I agree with that. It's not going to be one of those games. But I expect him to play to be a serviceable quarterback for this game while he still picks up the offense and while the team's still being built around him. So I'm going to say the 49ers win and I'm going to say they get to 20 points and I'm going to say the bears will probably be at around nine to 10 points. So I'm going to say 20 to nine bears going to kick three field goals. As down in the dumps as I am, I actually think the Niners are going to win this game too. Mm-hmm. And if they don't win this game, I will record next, the next show um, with a bottle of Johnny Walker. So <laughs> everybody can look forward to that. Um, because that's going to happen if they don't win this game. But I think that they're going to. Um, I think Garoppolo is going to provide a spark. And again, the defense plays pretty well until the end of the game when they just can't hold up anymore. And if that offense can, you know, keep moving the ball and, and put some points up, uh, could see a different game. So I am actually going Niners over the Bears as well. Um, and I agree with you, the score. I think the Niners will get in the low 20s, and I don't think the Bears will score that many. So there you go. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I, I hope, I hope uh, this is... And look, I don't want, I'm not expecting Jimmy Garoppolo to win a ton of games. Just even if he wins one game, that's fine. Get a taste of winning. And if they lose the rest, whatever, not a big deal. It's, it's, it's a lost season anyways, but I just want him to get his first win as soon as possible. Like he, it was huge that he threw a touchdown on his first semi drive of of the year. And I think that's, it'd be even more big for him to get that win under his belt and, and for the confidence because sport football sports in general is all about confidence. So if he can get that early, then, then I'm, then I'm all for that. Yeah, if he wins two of the next five games with this team, yeah, build a statue, man. So, <laughs> and how I feel. Put it in the museum with all the other statues of the the great Forty ers You imagine if he wins? It's possible, I guess. If he if he wins two in a row against the Bears and Texans, oh my God! When was the last time the Niners won two games in a row? 2014. <laughs> oh man, I, I don't even remember. I don't remember. Maybe, maybe we can throw that one on Twitter later on. I think that you're, you're the stats guy, so I think that'd be a good, a good stat to throw out there. Yeah, wait, I think I could figure it out in two seconds, though, probably. I'm sure everybody's on pins and needles. The last <laughs> time they won more than one game at a time was November 9th, 16th, and 23rd of 2014. Oh, man. They beat the Saints, the Giants, and the Redskins. 
three years, almost to the day. Yeah. And they didn't really score any points in those games either. They won 27, 24, 16 to 10, 17 and 13. Wow. Yeah. And then, the, so. and then that was, and then the week after that, the game that they lost was, I, was it the Raiders that they lost to, I think, or no, it was the Seahawks. It was oh, the Thanksgiving it was, it game. Was the, oh, it was the Turkey at the 50 game. Oh man. Yep. And that then was, it was, um, then they lost to the Raiders and they lost to the Seahawks again. Cause why not? Oh, and boy. then they lost to the chargers in overtime, man, that's the air got let out of that season quick. Yeah. Yeah. And they then they easily, beat the Cardinals. They could have easily been like a, like a 10 and six team if they, if two of those games had gone the other way, but yeah, they were seven and four. I'll, I'm going to say this, I'm, that season, if they even had average quarterback play that season, they probably wouldn't have won 11, 12 games. Remember how good the defense was that year? Yeah. Oh, they were they were fantastic that year. Really good. Yeah, yeah but uh, a certain quarterback didn't play very well that year. <laughs> um, and uh, that we, had we a have lot a, to do. We have a quarterback who shall not... We have a GM who shall not be named already, so now we also have a quarterback who shall not be named too. Well, you know, we'll name him, but he's kind of a hot-button issue. But yeah, you get the losses that year. Yeah. Uh, only four, scored 14 against the Cardinals, 17 against the Broncos, 10 against the Rams. Three against Seahawks, seven against the Seahawks, thirteen against the Raiders. Yeah, that offense struggled that year. Yeah, um, yeah. Remember, they went out and got all those receivers. They got yeah, like Stevie Brandon Johnson Lloyd and Brandon Johnson. Lloyd. Yeah, yeah. And they averaged like 180 yards passing a game. Yeah. yeah. So that happened too. All right, I should probably stop talking before I get myself in trouble. The way no, I'm going you're, right you're good, now, man. So. You just just I let it, it let it out. I feel like I feel like you're on the psychiatrist chair right now. I feel like I'm not. I'm, I'm actually like... holding back. So. <laughs> How, I, don't know. I don't think I could ever really let it out. Oh, show. that's right. How yeah. was your Thanksgiving, Al? It was good. It was good. How about you? It was good, man. My my wife's an absolute superstar in the kitchen, so she she cooked up some some amazing food and had some family over. And man, we were eating leftovers the entire weekend. So it yeah, was uh, it, it was a great weekend, man. Ate a lot of turkey. It took it easy though this Thanksgiving. Usually, there's a lot of a uh, lot of food and drink to be had. Um, yeah, I'm out on Thanksgiving. But we took it. I took it kind of easy this year. Um, cause, you know, I was sick for a couple couple, couple weeks. Um, mm-hmm. so just getting over that. So I took it easy, but it was fine, man. It was it was a good Thanksgiving. Looking forward to the holidays for sure. Same here, and 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 I just want to say I'm super thankful. Speaking of Thanksgiving, super thankful again for everybody that listens to us and follows us on Twitter. Every single one of you guys, like seriously, we started out with with no followers. We started out with nobody listening to us. We started out like basically like two guys on their phones doing a podcast for the first time. And, and now, you know, we're getting great guests and, and our, our producer David's been awesome. And, and we're just having a blast doing this and all of our guest hosts, like we have, we have so much fun doing this. So thankful for everybody that's helped us along the way. Thankful for everybody that listens to us and supports us. That's a true story. And and I'll, we'll shut up and end the show in a minute, but it's funny when, when like Zane and I had never met before we did the show and, our literally our first show was us talking on the phone, just like yeah. we'd never talked. And remember that we're like, all right, let's just yeah. try to do a show. We ended, we ended up doing the show. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's crazy to think and, and not to pat ourselves in the back. And it's just, it's surreal for, you know, because we grew up, you know, we were kind of lifelong fans or whatever to, to talk to the people that we get to talk to. We're very lucky. Um, and obviously we couldn't do that if people didn't listen. And it's, it is, it's, it's really cool to do. So we definitely appreciate that. Um, and we'll stop talking now and um, <laughs> thank everybody for listening this week. Um, and we will definitely talk to you next week after the 49ers beat the Bears. Yes, sir. For Zane, Zane Nackby, this is Al Sacco. Thanks, guys. Jimmy G.